News Talk 1010 science expert Dan Riskin is here. Good morning. Good morning. Okay, so apparently there's a new piece of space junk. Yeah, it's a little one, but it's pretty close to the space station. So people are just paying close attention to it. It came from the space station. Uh, there was a spacewalk happening on November 1st. And the two people carrying out the spacewalk accidentally let a tool bag float away and couldn't reach it anymore. And it's a lot of work to like, you can't just like fire up your jetpack, go out there and get it and come back like you're, you know, on Guardians of the Galaxy or something like that. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's real. Space is a real thing. So once it started floating away and it got out of reach, you know, they do a danger assessment. They're like, nope, we're going to let that go. And so there's this thing, it's moving ahead of the space station in its orbit. Um, and this has happened before. And what ends up happening is it kind of floats there for a couple of months and then it sort of starts to lose momentum. Because even though there's almost no resistance, there is a little bit of, of there are a few air particles up there that high and so they do eventually slow it down and then it starts to fall and then it eventually it just falls into the atmosphere and burns up so that's what will happen eventually but right now if you're one of those nerds like me who likes to pay attention to when the space station's flying over you've got an app on your phone that alerts you um you can if you have your binoculars look at it and look ahead of it and you might be able to see this bag it's actually bright enough uh, that it's giving off enough light that with binoculars you would be able to see it so anyway i'm i, I plan to try to find see the the tool bag floating through space but uh, i think the odds are against me it is fascinating to reflect on how much space junk there is out there uh we were talking on the show quite recently with the Canadian astronaut who's going to go up and orbit the moon, but he's not going to land on the moon. And he was talking about the fact that they have to actually plot their course in order not to collide with stuff. Yeah, it, I mean, we're at that point and it's getting worse. And there, the thing is, it's it's the Wild West up there. There's no sort of body that says, okay, you know what? We're going to set a limit on how many satellites there can be. And, uh, you know, some some businesses like Starlink that are trying to connect the whole world with internet, which is great, um, they require a whole bunch of satellites in space, like tens of thousands of them. And so uh, it's great for their business and it's great for internet, but uh, it makes it tricky to go to the moon. Cannabis, people talk about cannabis in young people possibly triggering some mental illnesses, but now there's some research apparently about whether or not it affects empathy. What's that? Yeah, and this is not a, a negative impact, which is which is always interesting and always dangerous to report on because the last thing you want is a bunch of 16-year-olds saying, well, I'm just trying to be more empathetic, so I'm just <laughs> going to smoke a bunch of weed. This is a study that was done on adults, not kids, and it's important to point out that there are very different effects of cannabis on a developing brain versus a developed brain. And so uh, there are a lot of dangers associated with cannabis for teenagers that are not true for adults. And so I just want to put that out there as a, a real caveat to this. But what they did is they looked at adults um, and they had a bunch of people who regularly use cannabis and a bunch of people who don't. And they were looking at their brains. First of all, they had them fill out these forms about their personalities. And they found that people who are regular pot smokers tend to have a greater emotional comprehension. Uh, they're better able to, uh, to imagine the emotions of another person than the control group that doesn't smoke a lot of weed. And then the second thing is that when they scanned the brains of a subset of those people, some weed smokers and some people who don't smoke weed, um, they found better connectivity between certain parts of the brain that are associated with these things. Because there's this part of the brain uh, called the anterior cingulate cortex, which is all about empathy and it also seems to be affected by by uh, this drug and so that's why they thought there would be a signal there um but we don't know for sure how that works is it smoking weed that makes people different or is it people with different personalities that are at greater risk of taking up weed that's all unclear a brain implant that may enable communications from thoughts alone it's what we've all wanted isn't it 
Well, you you have the gift of gab, and a lot of people do, but other people have neurodegenerative diseases that take that away from them, and, and may that not happen to you or, or to, to anyone listening. I mean, it's a, it's a terrible thing when it does happen, but you think about the diseases that steal that from a person and what that must be like. And so this is a, a line of research trying to just see if there's a backup plan where if somebody had a disease like that, you could put an implant on the surface of the brain, open up the skull, put this on the surface of the brain, close it back up, and then this thing could read the electrical signal of the brain and guess what the person's trying to say. And uh, in this latest experiment from Duke University, they had people who were going through brain surgery for other stuff. And they basically said, during your brain surgery, we just want to take 15 minutes to do an experiment on you, and then we'll, we'll leave. And so this was like an extra thing added to their surgery, where once it was open, they came running in, put this thing on the surface of the brain, had the person repeat a bunch of words that were being read to them, and then took it off at 15 minutes later and went and collected, played with the data. And what they were able to do is basically look at the electrical activity on the surface of the brain, train a model based on, you know, if the person says cat, uh, this lights up. So the k noise and the t noise seem to be associated with this. Anyway, they figured the whole thing out and they came up with something that could predict with about 40% accuracy what the person was trying to say. And 40% is not great, but it was only 15 minutes and it's way better than zero. So uh, this is a good start in that direction. We're still a long way from having an implant for people who need it, but uh, it's it's, uh, it's kind of spooky and and very cool research that's going on at Duke. Okay, and we've got almost no time, but I really need to know, why do I need a less painful belly flop? Well, people who are interested in making weapons that are involved with the Marines or, or anything like that where there's water and air, like something that you could shoot from the air and have it go into the water and then go and find a submarine or something like that, they're very interested in how much it hurts when something hits the surface of the water. We're interested in it because we jump in a pool and it hurts. New research from Brown University shows that if you can put a spring into the system so that it's got a little bit of flex, it can help make the pain less or make the impact less. But if you get the tension of the spring wrong, it can actually make it worse. And so you have to fine tune it. And they're working on that. Thank you, sir. Good to have you this Thursday morning. Thank you. That is our science expert, Dan Risk, and his weekly visit on Test Tube uh, Thursday.